You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. That's what Jesus would say to us here tonight. It's not if you ever are afraid. No, it's when you're afraid. Put your trust in Him, because when you put your trust in Him, then you will no longer be afraid. What can man do to you? Man can do nothing to you because God is for you. And if God is for you, then who could possibly be against you? Today, Pastor J.D. speaks about the cure for fearfulness. It's easy to feel fear and anxiousness about current or future events and situations. But you need to remember that God is always with you. He'll never abandon you. Pastor J.D. says that it's important to trust God always. Because trust in God is the one thing that can take all your fears away. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 56 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's jump in. So, verse 1. All of these psalms, interestingly, have a very descriptive and even detailed title that tells us a little bit about them. So Psalm 56 is to the chief musician, and it's set to a song that apparently was known in that day, uh, the song, The Silent Dove in Distant Lands. And we're told it's a michdam of David, a meditation of David, and it's specific to this experience when the Philistines had captured him in Gath, where he had no business going to in the first place, as we'll talk about here in a minute. So verse 1, Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day he oppresses me, My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Verse 3, and I love this. He writes, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise His word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? All day they, verse 5, twist my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together, they hide, they mark my steps when they lie in wait for my life. Shall they escape by iniquity, in anger? Cast down the peoples, O God. You, verse 8, number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. We're told in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8, if God is for you, who can be against you? And that's what David is declaring here. Verse 10, He says it again in God, and we're 
parenthetically told, I will praise his word. That's in parentheses. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, verse 11, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? These are, of course, rhetorical questions that he includes in penning this psalm. So I have to say that Psalm 56 is another personal favorite of mine, and the reason that it is is because it speaks to the reality of fear in the life of a Christian. I have been very uh, candid in sharing with you my own personal struggles in this area. I am prone to be a worrier. I am prone to be fearful, full of fear, and I never imagined that in those times when I am fearful that God is angry with me for being fearful. I also have this sense that I'm in really good company. I mean, throughout the pages of Holy Writ, many of the men and women of God were given over to fear, even in the New Testament. How many times would Jesus say to the disciples, not angrily, I mean, never imagine when Jesus is rebuking the disciples that there's an angry tone in his voice when he says to them, oh, you of little faith. It's not, oh, you of little faith. No, it's, it's almost with a, a sorrow and more like this, why is your faith so little when your God is so big? When he says to the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Why would he say, let not your hearts be troubled, if their hearts weren't troubled to begin with? Do not be afraid. Do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus knew that their hearts were full of fear. He knew that their hearts were troubled. And he's seeking to encourage them and sort of renew their trust in him. And this is what I love about David. And it's, it's kind of like this. David says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Then when I put my trust in you, I will not be afraid. It almost sounds like he's, you know, almost contradicting himself. So when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. And here's what happens when I put my trust in you, Lord. I'm not afraid anymore. So all I have to do when I'm afraid is just put my trust in you, because when I put my trust in you, I'm not afraid anymore. And that's what Jesus was saying to the disciples, and that's what Jesus would say to us here tonight. It's not if you ever are afraid. No, it's when you're afraid. Put your trust in Him, because when you put your trust in Him, then you will no longer be afraid. What can man do to you? Man can do nothing to you because God is for you. And if God is for you, then who could possibly be against you? Now it's interesting because David 
finds himself in this place where he is just full of fear, and rightfully so. In all fairness, he has every right to be full of fear, but he refuses to remain afraid because he puts his trust in the Lord. Now, what was the situation that was so fearful for David? Well, we're told in 1 Samuel chapter 21, I'll read verses 10 through 15, that he's fleeing from Saul because Saul is trying to kill him. And it says, verse 10, Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now you have to understand something about Gath. This is the Philistine city of Gath, and it's home to a sort of famous, maybe better said infamous Philistine by the name of Goliath. And this is, <laughs> this. get this, okay? David is fleeing Saul, and where does he flee to in fear of Saul killing him? He flees to the place where Goliath is from, this Philistine that he killed. You'll forgive me, but I'm probably not going to go to the city of the place that was home to somebody <laughs> that I uh, basically had slain. That's what David does here. Now watch what happens. Verse 11, And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Now, David, verse 12, took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. You think? In other words, he's been found out. I don't know what he was thinking in fleeing to Gath. Was he thinking that they wouldn't recognize him? Was there enough time that had gone by since the time that he had slain Goliath? to the time that he's now fleeing to the hometown of Goliath here in Gath? Did, did he think they wouldn't recognize him? Apparently so. And here's another thing, and it's, it's kind of interesting. When we were in 1 Samuel, we, we talked about this, because it's a very interesting thing. For David to leave his own people, the Israelites, and flee and feel somehow safer amongst the Philistines? That's saying something. In other words, was he more afraid of Saul killing him than he was the Philistines in Gath killing him? Apparently so. Well, maybe he thought he could get away with it. And, and maybe, in again, all fairness, maybe what he thought was, Saul's trying to kill me. Where is the one place that I could go to that Saul would never find me? Gath. And even if he knew I was there, he's not going to follow me there. Because you remember what happened when Goliath was challenging for 40 days and 40 nights and blaspheming the name of the God of Israel. Saul, as king of Israel, was paralyzed in fear. Didn't know what to do. 
So maybe the logic, again, in all fairness to David, was Saul is fearful of the Philistines, and he's trying to kill me, so I'm going to go to the one place that he'll never come to to get me. I'll be safer in Gath of all places than I will be (laughs) with my own people. Certainly Saul, my own father-in-law, by the way. Now, apparently David heard this, and we're told, verse 12, took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So what did he do? Verse 13, he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands. Get this image in your mind. He scratched on the doors of the gate like a madman and let saliva fall down his beard. (laughs) Then Achish, verse 14, said to his servants, look, you see, this man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? This is not David. Come on. Look at the guy. This guy's mad. He's insane. And then verse 15 is, this is what I love about God's word. I mean, it's just, you got to love, you know, God's got a sense of humor, right? I mean, in order to be reminded of that, all you have to do is just look at yourself in the mirror first thing in the morning, and you'll remember that God has a great sense of humor. (laughs) So he says, this is humorous, he says, have I need of madmen? Like I need another one of these guys that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? There's no way this is David. This is not David who killed his 10,000, Saul his thousands, David his 10,000. This is no way is this the same guy that slew Goliath. Get him out of here. You got to wonder what David's thinking. It worked. (laughs) Here he feigned madness, and it worked. And God delivers him. We're told in the narrative, as it continues, that this actually works. And God delivers him out of Gath, in spite of the fact that he should have never been there or gone there in the first place. This is one of those reasons, again, that this particular psalm is a favorite of mine because it speaks to the faithfulness of God even when we're faithless. God is still faithful. Never imagine that God would say, really David, you're going to go to Gath? Are you kidding me? And you're going to be found out and you're going to feign madness and now you're crying out to me and wanting me to deliver you? No, not going to happen. No, You should have never gone there in the first place. No. When we're faithless, He's still faithful. That's who God is, and that's how good God is. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Paul writing to Timothy says, If we are faithless, He remains faithful. And he even says why. Because God cannot deny himself. In other words, it would be inconsistent of who God is. God is faithful. Yeah, but I kind of blew it. No. 
God's faithfulness is not predicated upon our faithlessness. Could you imagine if it was? Oh my God, who among us could stand? Who among us would taste from the cup of God's goodness and God's faithfulness? Because we are faithless. And by the way, isn't that grace? Isn't that grace? Unmerited favor, which to me doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of the depths of God's grace. Grace is by its very nature undefinable. Is undefinable a word? Let's just say it is. <laughs> you, cannot, you cannot search out the depths of God's grace. I mean, we, we try to define it as unmerited favor, but it's so much more than that. We're, we're saved by grace through faith. It's not predicated upon our work, something that we do, our behavior our track record. Oh, would to God that we would be delivered from the track record mentality in Christianity today. That's not grace. That's works. And if there was ever a man who knew of the grace of God, it was David. I mean, (laughs) he had blown it so bad. I mean, it would be conceivable that God would be through with him but he's not. Here here he is sinning and sinning again. He's, He's fearful. He's faithless. He's all of the above. And you would think that God would respond in kind. No, that's not who God is. Another reason this psalm is a personal favorite of mine is because it really speaks to this aforementioned reality of fear. And I want to just talk about that a little bit here before we move on. One of the things that I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord is that fear cannot be present where faith is. And so too, faith cannot be present where fear is. Fear is the antithesis of faith, and faith the antithesis of fear. You cannot be full of faith, faithful, and fearful at the same time. They are mutually exclusive. I'll even venture to say that proportionate to my faith, you'll find no fear. Conversely, proportionate to my fear, you find no faith, an absence of faith. You're either going to be full of faith, or you're going to be full of fear. So how does this work? Well, if I put my trust, my faith in the Lord, then fear is no more. Proportionate to my putting my trust in the Lord, my faith in the Lord, then I will not be afraid. And again, I know it's it's kind of um back and forth and and almost a play on words at first read, but when I am afraid, what do I do so that I'm not afraid? I put my trust in the Lord. And so I put my trust in the Lord, and then no longer am I afraid. But here's the problem. Reality is is that fear is more than faith. We're more prone to be full of fear than we are to be full of faith. And this is what David teaches us here. 
He teaches us what fear is, the reality of what fear can do, and even what fear cannot do. Over the years I've kind of, and chiefly from this account in David's life, both in the Psalms and then also in 1 Samuel, I've sort of created a list. It just happens to be seven. That's, you know, I guess the the best number, right? Seven keys, seven things, seven this, seven that. Well, there are seven. Actually, six of them are what worry and fear can do. And the seventh is what worry and fear cannot do, can never do. I'll just kind of go through this. And we see every single one of these in this account and this experience in David's life. Here's the first one. Worry and fear can dominate our decision-making process. Let me say it this way. Never make a decision based on fear. You will never make the right decision. (laughs) That decision you make should be made by faith, not fear. This is clearly what happened with David. What caused him to make the decision, the fateful decision you might say, to flee to of all places Gath, Philistine territory. He's in enemy territory. What would cause him to make such a foolish decision? Fear. Fear is a pretty powerful motivator. When we're dominated by fear, we will always make the wrong decision. Period. And conversely, when that decision is dominated by faith, it is always the right decision. You know, as the writer of Hebrews says, and this is one of those verses that depends on what side of the table you're on concerning it, but (laughs) the writer of Hebrews says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Now I would venture to say there's not a one of us here in this church tonight that doesn't want to please God. We want our lives to please God, right? Well, guess what? Uh, Without faith, you'll never please God. Without faith, it's impossible. It's not even possible without faith to please God. You want to please God? If you don't have faith, it's impossible. You can't. But it works both ways. If it's impossible to please God without faith, that means that it's possible to please God with faith. In other words, God is most pleased by our faith. You know in the Gospels one of the most astonishing things that you see with Jesus is that He would go out of His way and note when somebody had faith. And they would be healed because of it. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving Creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. 
You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth.